episode of Just a Ted on the DTF Podcast. I am Sam Norton, your host, as always, wonderful, beautiful me. This is a special episode. Why? Because it's another episode? No, you don't give a fuck. Uh, It's a special episode because, as you can tell by the title, we are talking about road gigs, being on the road, being a real working comic, driving around, going city to city. And I am with a special guest, Tristan A. Smith. Say hi. Hello. My name is Tristan A. Smith. I'm a comedian, I guess. Comedian in Chicago. Uh, how long have you been doing it? Uh, I'll be two years in March. He's a, he's a new baby boy into comedy. And uh, why it's special is not only that, but we are, you can probably hear a uh, slight rumbling. We were talking about on the road. Uh, while we're on the road, we are literally uh, driving back. We were in uh, South Bend, Indiana. Heard of it? Probably not, unless you're a Notre Dame fan. And then also, we didn't perform at Notre Dame. Performed at a comedy. Shout out to the Drop Comedy Club, a real comedy club. Yep. And uh, we uh, we just got done with uh, our shows, got paid, and we're driving back to Chicago. It is 11:30 at night, Eastern. And we're going to go across the time zone, so it'll be 10.30 uh, whenever we go across the time zone. But uh, we were, we were going to record earlier today. I didn't want to. And then Tristan was like, hey, why don't we record while we're driving? I'm like, that sounds fantastic. We can talk about the road. Well, to be fair, we were just very lazy to do it at any other points where it made more logical sense. And, uh, yeah, then, then we decided to do it from the road. You know what? Fuck you, dude. It, became, right? it became poignant through laziness. <laughs> Hey, I'm not lazy, I'm just falling upwards. <laughs> or to quote uh, my friend Kevin White, quoting Buzz Lightyear, I'm falling with style. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, so yeah, um, we're going to talk about uh, the road. Now, uh, the realities of comedy to uh, you all who either ha- are comedians and have not done it, or are just regular people who just want to know about it, is... Uh, it's, it's the thing that turns comedy from either a hobby or an art form into a real job. Interesting. Uh, at least in my mind, because you, uh, whenever you do it quite a bit, so I, I've been doing comedy 10 years, uh, whereas Tristan's been doing it uh, two. Uh, I've also been full-time for four years, and he just did his first road gig tonight. So, I'm going to say my thing, and I want you to react and see if it makes sense to you, okay? Right. So, the thing I found is once you do enough uh, road gigs, uh, you start to feel like the job portion is, uh, you, you basically turn into a trucker, to where you're hauling a commodity across you know, state lines, driving through the night or all day just to deliver your little package to uh, to a small town business. And you just happen to perform. So you start feeling more like a trucker to earn the money than you do an actual performer when you're in the city. Now, now that you've done it at least once and we're driving through the night, do you feel that? What do you, what do you think of that assessment? I like it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely... Especially, I think if you're alone, if you're isolated, doing it by yourself, I can see how the trucker metaphor seems to happen. Also, as we're driving back, it's been just like two or three trucks in a row uh, driving in the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah. So, oh yeah, that, that kind of fits. The too. company you keep yeah, is yeah. other truckers. Yes. Yeah, it, and it gets worse the later it gets. It's just like, oh shit, it's just 
illegal trucking, driving way too far at night, and then us going back to whatever thing. Because when you're in the city, or when you're when you do gigs in the town that you're in, I mean, it still feels like a job. It feels like you're showing up to uh, to work sometimes, but you get to feel more like an artist because uh, it's in the city that you're in. You get to kind of schmooze and. I don't know what what like being a full-time jazz artist must have felt like in the 20s where you just kind of bang around the city but when you do this it's like oh, okay I'm showing up to do a job and then I gotta get back home you know what I mean yeah because like it becomes uh, I guess a profession in the in your eyes at least for the fact that like you're going into a place and you have to create a certain effect like like you're doing you're there to make people you've never met laugh before and it's, it's different when you're at home at home if you bomb, it just it sort of happens, and it just sort of rubs off of you. But if you bomb on the road, I think it's probably a harsher feeling. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Well, and also, yeah, you're show there's you're showing up and getting paid. They're putting you up, and they're they're paying you what should be decent money. And you're like, well, shit. Now I got to deliver. Whereas yeah, exactly. when you're at home, especially if you're doing like a showcase or something, you're maybe getting thirty, fifty dollars tops, but probably just drink tickets. So yeah. then it's like, all right, well, if I'm getting drink tickets I want to make everybody laugh but I'm not it's not an obligation at this point now yeah. uh, now uh, I know this is a very vague question and I'm sorry to put you on the spot and make you roll with it but I do we haven't talked about this yet by the way listeners uh, but I I'm asking Tristan for the first time what it what is your assessment it's your it's your first gig we're capturing this uh, on a handheld recorder what is uh what is your first uh i don't know what's your first thoughts about being on the road for the first time what what you thought it was going to be what it was actually pros cons uh, let me hear it i definitely uh, you can suck my dick if you want it doesn't <laughs> matter i i definitely built up the road in my mind more than more than the experience turned out to be in my mind i thought the the club we were going to was going to be this incredibly ornate fancy club that had all the bells and whistles of club life. And it wasn't that, it was, it was just, it, it was a room, you know, in, in the back of a bar. A nice enough room, I have no, I'm not, you know, uh, crapping on the experience, it was honestly fun. But I definitely... It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't a vastly different experience than being in Chicago. Yes. Yeah. And I, I definitely got in my head before so, and I think that even reflected in, um, in the first set that I, I performed there. I was nervous throughout. Even though I, I, I had an okay set, I definitely like left with the feeling of, I see why I'm not headlining. At least, at least that first set. Like, I, I remember I feeling outclassed by you, Sam. Hey, thanks, man. Within the first uh, few minutes, honestly. Like, like I got, you know, chuckles, he got howls, is what I felt like uh, after the first day of performing. Uh, the second day, I, I legitimately felt like I came into my own more. Yeah, you got, you got comfortable with it. Yeah. I changed my well. set a little bit. I, I, I legitimately, like... It, it made me just sort of like it made me thirst for the idea of performing in front of different rooms of getting the feel of them and really like like proving myself I, I it felt like I could do this to a degree at least like it, it felt like it felt like it made sense for Sam to bring me out and after the first show I didn't feel that oh well uh, I, I'm glad that uh, you came around to my thinking that you should be out because otherwise I'd wonder what the fuck I was doing so. yeah <laughs> like I also felt like I I like. I felt like I left you a room that was good. You know, Same. like like as a feature, you wanna you want like if if you're opening for somebody, you wanna leave the room in a good place where like they're they're laughing, there's mirth and merriment, and there's a good time. Oh, leave you know, it you on a high wanna, note. Yeah, yeah, you don't you don't want to feel like 
you've made the per- people behind you work a lot harder. Well, both I will say both sets you did uh, you did a fantastic job on setting them up. So that you you did great on both sets. Um, what about uh, what about just like how it is to fucking so so one thing for all of you who don't know when you're on the road uh, you you never feel more self-employed than when you're in between shows. So we get on we get in on Friday we check into our hotel. We had about an hour or so to kind of waste time. Then we went to the club, did the show, went back to the hotel, and uh, just kind of relaxed. Then we woke up. We got breakfast uh, real early, uh, 8 o'clock, for uh, comedians and for everybody yeah, else. We so made like, them wake us up. And they yeah. they said it, uh, yeah, they, they said <laughs> we, had, we, had a, we had such a late wake-up time. It's like, well, yeah, you don't know this life, man. You don't, you don't understand. Yeah, it. we're not going in bed until fucking 3 o'clock in the morning. Don't judge, you pricks. Yeah, we're not normal people. Um... So we get up, we get breakfast, we go back to the hotel room, and then we pass out to like, uh, I got up at noon, then we, uh, then what, you wake up about one, then we got like moving around two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we kind of fall around, right? we went to Starbucks and kind of. Uh, we we actually talked some jokes out, which Yeah, really we talked some jokes out and shit, and then, uh, and then we went to the club. So with that as a, kind of a, an idea of what we've done, uh, what is your what is your thought on because that, that's basically how it is you're just kind of filling the day in between yeah. gigs uh, what is your thought on that being the future of your career that you're gonna have to you're really gonna have to figure out how to be self-employed yeah it's um this definitely especially that Starbucks outing uh, made the work side of stand-up comedy more real to me just the idea of like you know because to a degree you can coast on natural talent to a certain point, I would imagine. Like, yeah, you, you, you can do well, you can get on some showcases, but I don't think you can really make any legitimate impact without work. And um, just my conversation with you, me seeing you as an example, really really illuminated the amount of work that would have to go into this, no matter what. Like, I, I I can think I'm good all day, I can I can believe I've got something to lend to this industry, but if I don't legitimately, like, like really, really, honestly, like like you you said it you're, you said it the best I've heard it is that you're gonna be your own worst boss, which yeah. is really uh, terrifying to me because I've had some really awful bosses. But in terms of what it takes to be successful in this industry, yeah, you will have to to you know wake up early and like like work at this craft, and it is a legitimate craft. And I guess I've never I always bristled at that comment at least when I was an actor, the idea of it being a craft. You know, like I'm not carpenter i'm not you know digging a ditch this isn't it, it doesn't show business doesn't necessarily feel like like hard strenuous work generally like like you know you, you can get in your head about that well, it's but, not manual labor it's not manual sure, yeah. labor yeah and like it it but i don't know my conversation with you really made it more clear to me uh, a lot of the ways in which i'm lacking in terms of my effort and it made me this makes me want to to live up to what I can be, to, to do more. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that you uh, enjoy and uh, see my work ethic as an inspiration. But to also put it into perspective for you and the listener, uh, you're you're getting inspired by my work ethic just to see what goes into being a mediocre headliner at a C room. <laughs> like it takes this much work just to get to where I'm at here. So. 
imagine how much more work goes into being fucking like Kevin Hart or some yeah. shit like that. So, uh, yeah, I hope I hope this is a true lesson of like you gotta you got natural talent, you're funny as fuck, but it it takes there's always gonna be someone working harder than you, so you gotta fucking double up, triple up, quadruple up the efforts, thirty septuple up the efforts. Yes. Yeah, call back to our previous oh, yeah, conversation yeah. that was not on this Yeah, we're, we're making an inside joke uh, to, uh, to non-listeners, just to, to only Just making an inside joke to myself. Yeah. Another inside joke to us. Um, I don't know what... Uh, this sounds dumb, but if, uh, if there's like a new comic that's kind of in your position, uh, instead of me giving advice, what uh, what would be like your thing? Like a thing, I don't know... It, is there anything that has been uh, most enlightening to you? Ah, oh, let me think. Yeah, well, what did I learn the most from this trip? Well, it doesn't have to be anything. All we did was go to Indiana for a fucking road gig. But uh, is there anything that jumped out to you as far as, uh, you know, being a, being a comic who has done showcases and open mics in one city, and now you got to be not only in front of a different, you got to go outside of the city, outside your comfort zone, but also be in front of a different demographic to see if your shit is, you know, you, yeah. you can monetize it. Well, I will say, you don't need to be scared. I, I definitely spent a lot of the build up to this trip and even, yeah, probably a lot of the time on this trip being, you know, worried about you know, how I was going to come across, if I was going to be funny. Uh, what it took for an audience like me. And actually, the things I was most afraid of not working worked really well, and the things I most felt uh, sure of um, yeah. did not. So, yeah, really, really, like, that was really one thing that was very interesting about the South Bend audience is that um, so they were in many ways opposite from the Chicago audience. Yeah. yeah like, like, things that the Chicago audiences bristle at, uh, they were like, yeah, give us more of that. Um, like, one, this, specifically what I'm talking about is uh, the idea of talking about relationships or, or, or honestly, sex or fetishes. That stuff can turn Chicago audiences, you know, um, in, yeah, in, in, in some rough ways. Well, to be fair, so the audience knows what you're talking about. Uh, I, I don't want to give away your I have a I have a bit about uh, um, where I say there's nothing more embarrassing than discovering you have a new sexual fetish. And that uh, not only do I like to uh, kiss women's armpits, I also uh, used to uh, get erections every time my female friends cry. Whatever. And, and I can see why a uptight liberal audience would be like, what the fuck? Yeah. But then, you know, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the, the, the Indiana yeah, audience, down like, home people are like, yeah, that's fucking yeah. weird, yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah, we're signing on. So, so you got to experience a different. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've talked to many of my friends who are also in this business of like, do you do you take into account when you're writing a joke whether or not. Because you know you have to go out in front of different audiences, so do you keep people in mind whenever you write, or do you just write whatever the fuck you want and then hope it's funny enough to go in, uh, you, you know, go over other places? And uh, my thing is, uh, I used to try to pander to audiences while I uh, while I wrote, and uh, my friend Emily Galati, another shout out on this podcast. Uh, told me to stop being a fucking moron, and I don't. I don't think about any audiences what I write. Yeah. What I do, which I did this uh, this week with you, is I just work shit out that I like. I'll do it in the city, and then once it's working well enough in the city or wherever I'm uh, based out of, 
I'll take it out on the road and then tweak it to where it works out on the road too. Then I'll bring it back, and if it works again, then it's in the act. Yeah. So, uh, especially that second show, I was doing a lot more new stuff that I've done in the city or talked about in the city that's kind of worked. And then I was like, I'll try it out here. And some of them just like fucking fell flat and bombed. So I'm like, all right, well, got to rework it to see if it works again. So, uh, yeah, that's. I think that's a good thing is you get more well-rounded, but you also are in fucking like nobody knew knows that we did this really yeah they don't know what the fuck happened we, just, we just had our fucking 48 people <laughs> i remember uh hearing from um charlie virgos uh a thing that you told him apparently which is uh tonight oh, i get told bitter. charlie yeah a, a thing that yeah you said uh it's charlie virgos uh, another shout out i guess okay uh so this person's not really like that much of a friend of mine whatever uh, <laughs> but uh, like i don't i don't dislike him i just don't really know no man fuck charlie virgos you heard it here first <laughs> Um, but of course, apparently he said your advice was to to not let the road discourage you because, like, especially like when you do really well on the road, because you can do nothing with that in your home base. Like, yeah, like, and yeah, like even if you, you you murder a room of two hundred people in you know Westchester, Massachusetts, I don't know why that. I don't even know if that's a real place. Oh, uh, sure, it sounds right. Yeah, um, sounds like people yeah. own boats there. Let's say you kill all those people, and yeah, you're you're incredible. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't get you booked on any shows here. It, it doesn't. Uh, raise your name any to any degree. You don't get the cool showcases or the the cool clubs from doing well in random part of the United States. However, it's probably more useful to you as a comic overall. As an artist, yeah, you, you get, you get yeah. fans. Maybe you get to, to just know how to appeal to different groups in DC every single day. I I, re- I now remember saying that to him. Yeah, I well, because I've experienced. I'm not going to mention names, but I do know comics who get bitter. Yeah, because they do fucking. They do really well. They're great comics, and they do really well when they go out on the road and they crush, and then they go back to their home base uh, in whatever city it is, and because they're there all the time, nobody gives a fuck about them, and uh, you can you can easily get bitter about, uh, like, don't you know, it's almost like, uh, like when a fucking, I don't know, a rich kid goes to, uh, like, private school or something away from his family, and it's like, my dad is such and such. It's yeah. almost like that type of mentality of, like, do you know who my father is? Yeah. Like, do you know what my act is? It's like, no, nah, it just, you, you gotta know that it's not for the reputation when you're out on the road. It's just purely for the art form, as weird as that sounds, because a lot of people say the road is where comedy goes to die, but I honestly think it's where comedy goes to get uh, solidified. It's where you go to make sure that you know what you're doing. Yeah. Because anybody can, in my opinion, uh, you know, if you're in New York, L.A., Denver, Chicago, Austin, Kansas City, St. Louis, fucking anywhere, Albany, New York, it doesn't matter. If you are great in your home base, that means you're great around the same audiences. Yeah. It's when you can make your own brand of shit funny to a wider audience. Yeah. It just makes you a more well-rounded, or not even well-rounded, but a well, more well-liked artist. You can uh, easily learn the quirks of your own town pretty quickly. Yeah, and yeah, and you get that whenever... Uh, I remember the first time that I went, quote-unquote, on the road to New York. I was living in Kansas City, and I went out there, and I saw a lot of people doing train material, yeah. homeless material. And I was from Kansas City at the time. I didn't know what the... Like, I, I got it, but yeah. I didn't relate with it. And I was right. just like, this is a lot of fucking jokes. And I just kind of chalked it up to whenever you're in a small town 
and you hear someone go like, ah, oh, I went to the bad Jiffy Lube, and everybody's like, oh, I know that one. <laughs> but then uh, I was working with someone in uh, Georgia, I think, and he was from New York, and he uh, he was doing New York jokes there, yeah. and not just a couple of them. It was like a lot of them. Like I was on the train, I was on the bus, I was on the queue line, and every. Everyone, including myself, a fellow comic, was like, what the fuck are you talking about, yeah. dude? Like, this is not relatable at all. Like, if I drive everywhere, what the fuck? Right. So, I think, uh, now on the road, you can become a hack, but everybody knows that. But, like, I, I think there's, uh, there's, uh, there's pros and cons to it. And I think the pro is that you can, you can figure out how to, s- you, you become a better salesman, I think it's the best thing. You're like a road salesman. Yeah. Selling vacuum cleaners. Random, I suck. random trivia factor, just, I don't know, whatever. Uh, random just thing for the listener to know right now. For the last several miles, we've been driving in a stretch of highway without uh, streetlights. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, so well, we if, you, if you've lived in Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, can't you know, but we, this uh, is a city, boy. I'm saying we could randomly die uh, in the recording of this podcast. So uh, to whatever medical, would... whatever medical examiner is listening to this, I just want to tell you, uh, I was a good man, all right? I, how... how... How in your brain would we die? I don't know, like just like just a car crash. Yeah, I, I just say car crash. So you just are saying that I'm a shitty driver because there's be clear, nobody on this road right now. Even there's, there's no lights, and you're just thinking I'm just gonna kill us. Even before we started the trip, I thought we would die recording the podcast. <laughs> so this is yeah. Fair enough. Like yeah, what what other what what better way to you know take someone down in their prime? Like maybe you live through this. But like I just in in you know, like like. In my feeling like I have potential moments, like this is when it makes sense to die. I thought you meant that because it's so barren, we would have like a serial killer kill us. Oh. But then if that's your logic, what serial killer is going to kill us, find this recording, send it to my editor, and go like, hey, can you put this up? So that No, no. This is for the medical examiner, not for the... Uh, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, a uh, sick medical examiner that's listening to this and then also putting it up on my website. <laughs> this is what he would have wanted. Hey, what's your website for the local examiner knows where to take it? It's, uh, it's, uh, www.aol.com <laughs> backslash ebony and ivory. If we make, uh, the front page of aol.com, that's a come up. That's, that's a great, uh, <laughs> big thing for our career. From, from where we're coming from, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I, <laughs> if I might get onto the head of any website, including my own, I'd be happy. <laughs> I feel bad because uh, I'm all, I'm on this podcast and I've never listened to uh, a full uh, DTF podcast. To make you feel better, neither has any listener. <laughs> Everybody's just like, ah, I like this halfway through. But, but that, also, that's how you get to do uh, shows in South Bend, Indiana, right? You get halfway popular on your own podcast. I, uh, I really uh, hate podcasts, also. That's why I don't. Uh... Oh well, thank you. That's a that's a really good review. That you <laughs> hate podcasts, but have knuckled through. Uh, a three, few minutes. Three halves of <laughs> three halves of them. You've listened to collectively an episode and a half. I appreciate that. It's including this one because I know you've tuned out every time I've been talking. I mean, I have to, I have to pee, pee pretty hard, so I'm definitely not. Uh, not pee gonna... pretty hard? What yeah. Are you three? I mean, I don't know. Well, 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 you got a you got a you got a pee boner? Uh, a little bit. All right. It's about, yeah, it's about uh, a quarter or a third. I'd say I'd, I'd feel comfortable saying it's a third uh, full do job. Think, do you think you have a? Full chub, huh? A third full. Chub. Third full. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a full chub for me. <laughs> but I also have ED. I think we have comparable penises. I'm just saying I have ED. It can only get to a third full. Uh, 
and mainly because it's full of heat. My blood is just real bad. I got thin blood, thin dick, thin blood. But your B, but your B makes up for it. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't come into my wife. I just pee inside of her. Good silence. That was yeah. a good silence. Like I, I can't keep topping that. You know? <laughs> what did uh, now uh, to hash this up? But I do want to get now that we've done multiple shows. Uh, last night I complimented you on. Uh, you guys don't see a picture, but Tristan is a is a black man, and uh, you grew up in Chicago. And last night I was complimenting Tristan on. Uh, being able to be in front of an audience that is not him or relatable to how he grew up. Because personally, uh, I grew up in, you know, you guys know I grew up in Wichita, Kansas, and I've been in front of many black crowds that I didn't, I didn't grow up around, so I had to figure out how to relate and make laugh in certain jokes and subjects and stuff. You just have to navigate the audience you're in front of. And I was complimenting Tristan that being in front of that audience uh, for the first time or around the first time, uh, he did very well. And it was, uh, I don't know, it was, it was, uh, it was a nice little uh, proud, proud fatherly moment that I had. But now that you've done multiple shows like that, how, how do you feel now? Because you were feeling good this, this morning. How do yeah. you feel now? Oh, uh, well, there, there have been a lot of firsts on this trip. Uh, yeah, first road gig, first time doing 20 minutes. Oh yeah, um, that yeah. too. Uh, yeah, first time with this demographic of people. Uh, yeah, now that I've done two shows of that, uh, like I definitely, I, I, yeah, I couldn't say that I mastered this by any means. I, I feel. Oh God, no! By the way, <laughs> nobody should think that. Tristan is a terrible comic. Never book him again. <laughs> um, I definitely feel like I. But yeah, I definitely felt that the second show was redemption for the first. Not that I had done horrifically badly or anything, but in terms of the idea, like, I would have hated to have left after only the first show because I would have felt like I did okay, but I could have been better. You didn't, you didn't live up to the potential that you wanted to hit. Yeah. And that second show, you really you really did very well. And you feel like, like yeah, you want to leave it all on the table. Yeah. Or on the, on the court, whatever that, yeah. And yeah, I play, I play pool, so I leave it on the table, all right? All right. Yeah, don't scrutinize this metaphor, listeners. You judgmental fucks. Hey, we're all judgmental on here. Also, a uh, random thing that uh, I guess post on Facebook, but that I, I'll talk about to you listeners first. Um, audience interactions were really interesting. <laughs> uh, are you talking about offstage? <laughs> yeah, yeah, offstage audience interactions. Feel um, free to take over and talk about that, because uh, you were you were much more of a saint than I was. After the first show, um, where you know, I, I did okay, Sam murdered, killed, all that good stuff. Uh, we talked to two women who, who, lo- who basically echoed that same sentiment. They told him how much they loved him and how, you know, uh, this edition of the Drop Comedy Club shows was, was the, their favorite one. And, like, they were, they were really really sweet ladies, two white ladies, uh, you know, um, maybe 30s, 40s? Uh, yeah, around there. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the one well, was, like, like, younger, like, right? Like, like maybe the, 20s even? She, no, she, yeah, she was... She was 30 and the other one was like late 40s I think. Okay, yeah. They're, they're, yeah, they're both friends and they're, they're just wanted to talk to us after the show and we really honestly had like a like maybe an hour long discussion with them. Yeah. And for the most part of the conversation, they were very sweet. Yes. Uh, at one point, uh, as, as happens in my life sometimes, uh, these two white women uh, asked me if they could touch my hair. Uh, for those who don't know, I have a sort of an Afro dreadlock hybrid uh, of hair and um, 
Uh, and generally speaking, whenever anyone asks to touch my hair, uh, it's always white people, never black people. They never, uh, oh, really? Black people don't want to touch another <laughs> person's hair? Because that's kind of gross? Like, why would you touch someone's head unless you're fucking... Generally speaking, I, I say no whenever anyone asks to do that. But, uh, you know, they were, they were fans, they were nice, and I thought, you know, they don't know any better, they don't know that this is weird. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna give them that, I'm gonna allow them to do so, and not, you know, uh, preach to them and chastise you? them. I'm gonna give them that gift, that privilege. <laughs> give, them the, give them the privilege of touching black hair. Uh, yeah, I decided to give them the, you know, I, I decided to allow them to, like, touch my hair, just because I'm like, you know what, I, I don't feel like having a lecture or admonishing them for, you know, Quick being question before stupid. you continue. Did you take a shower yesterday morning? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I know you took a shower today, but I didn't see you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would have been hilarious if you just had, like, gross hair. <laughs> You're like, yeah, hey, touch it. It's all, it's all greasy and gross. I, I, I was clean throughout this trip. I, I, okay. I figured since I was sharing a room with someone, I at least needed to <laughs> be manageable. Yeah. You, you know, didn't want to show up with a greasy asshole? Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't jerk off, you know, during the trip. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, I made the moves that I'd make if I was going to live with another person. Uh, yeah. Well, thank room. you. Yeah, 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 That's not going to last yeah. very long. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to jerk off uh, probably as soon as this podcast <laughs> is uh, completed. <laughs> I'm just going to honk my horn the whole way back down to Chicago. <laughs> ah! it's, it's, it's sweet that you think it'll last the whole way back to Chicago. <laughs> well, uh, I'll just be freaked out the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> You'll come in 10 seconds, and I'll just be scarred for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, nonetheless, uh, they had to touch my hair. I, I Yeah, I let them touch my hair. And no... Maybe that would have been where things ended. Uh, then, you know, maybe, I don't know, several several minutes later, uh, they decided, one of them decided to really go deeper down the discussion of racial uh, sort of dynamics. And, um, uh, you know, one of them just talked about, like, or they, they both said they, they didn't like the N-word. They weren't fans of it. And they didn't call it the N-word. They didn't call it nigger. Thank yeah. God. Yeah, they, um, they refer to it as the N-word. And, and they, they, they referred that to me especially because, not only because I'm black, but I have a bit that uh, requires me to use the N-word several, several times. Uh, so they're like, you know, we hate that word. It's, it's, it's troublesome. We, and also, we have misgivings about sometimes being referred to as racist by random black people. Which, that's a weird thing, because uh, a lot of my white friends don't uh, get called racist a lot. I don't, that's just a, just a random truth. I, I kept trying to tell him. I was like, I'm racist. Just admit that you're racist, and that means that you're at least aware of yeah. it. Because when you're called racist... And then you deny it, then it's like you're denying something that's just fucking admit to it and then just try to be a better person. That's all it takes. My own opinion, by the way. Uh, well, nonetheless, like I, I was like, yeah, whatever, you seem normal. I, I don't know. The, I, I can accuse you of racism. And then uh, one of them decided to say that uh, she really understood uh, oppression uh, more than, you know, would be expected as a white lady. She said uh, that honestly, white people were the real minorities. And uh, that, like, like for the, for the hair touching. I kept watching Sam's reaction for the hair-touching part of the conversation. He was uncomfortable, but keeping it under control. Um, for the we're the real minorities moment of the conversation, I I saw Sam Norton trying to jump out of his own skin. Like a, <laughs> his skeleton attempted to just escape his own body, and he was still holding it back. Like he, he was he was holding back, screaming at these women, uh, which was very nice. But he showed a lot of a lot of restraint. Like you know, I, I gave, gotta give it up for him for that. I gave him a nice. Cordial, yes. uh, trying to enlighten, going like, nah. But then it got, do you remember what she said after that? Oh, yes. Uh, she, she said, she tries to express herself in, in, in how she felt oppressed. And uh, she said, <laughs> she said uh, yeah, I'm a 4'11 woman. 
and I can't reach the things in the grocery store that I like to reach um, because they're too high on, on too high shelves. And that is is my impression. That's that's what I that's what I was just like. No, come and then, on. And then you I were, told her I, you were cool until right now. Come on. And then I told her uh, I haven't been able to get a cab for the last ten years, and, um, which actually isn't true. I, I've I've gotten cabs in that time. Well, that's because uh-huh. you that's because you uh, you get Uber now, and uh, they, true, yeah. they don't. You don't have a picture of it. I don't have a picture of it. And and the name Tristan. Tristan, yeah. Tristan's a very racially androgynous name, so. And then they show up and they're like, fuck! (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that was, uh, man. I try, like, I very much hate, uh, I I don't want to go into this too much, but I very much hate uh, liberal elitists. So I did want to, like, talk down to her and go like what the fuck yeah but i did kind of go what the f-? like i was yeah, just like, like I, I, I dude that. yeah it was like dude come on no 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 listen you gotta have some empathy it's not the same thing like i get that you don't want to be looked at as a bad person because you're a good person you don't want to just be lumped in but it's like you gotta know that that's not the same come on i will say one uh not really regret i have in this trip but just one sort of thing I, I, I would have liked to have done differently is I, I was so nervous before both sets I forgot to record. Oh, you didn't record the second yeah, one I, too? I you son either, of a bitch. Yeah. I, I honestly, yeah, like I, I wanted to and then especially with it turning out as well as it did but I'll have to keep the memory of uh, me having a good set. <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. Uh, he had two really bad sets and you can't <laughs> prove it. <laughs> Alright, well, uh, is there anything else you want to say? I feel, I feel like that's a good... Uh, place to stop about you uh, myself yeah oh well before we do that we'll we'll wrap this up i just wanted to know did you do you have any other thoughts you want to pontificate and uh have for prosperity's sake i'm just gonna say i I wish sam well on all the journeys i don't know when the next time i'll be able to see him is maybe uh, i'll never see him again oh i don't know why this turned into a fucking eulogy (laughs) you uh, could just listen to this goddamn podcast I'm, i'm i'm remarkably thankful for the time we spent together this weekend this we actually got to know each other a lot better as people, and hopefully we've become friends or culture friends, or I don't know. That, that does happen, by the way. That, all right, before we wrap up, I do want to talk. Uh, that is one thing that oddly happens. Uh, it's like, uh, it's almost like college boot camp, because uh, a lot of times you're either staying in the same hotel as the people that you're working with, or you're staying in a comedy condo, which I can't wait to hear about your first experience in a comedy condo. I didn't condo. even know this existed. Yeah, uh, like clubs will buy like a house instead of renting out hotels all the time, and then they'll just have a house that like the kitchen cook will quote unquote clean. Yeah. So basically, you're sleeping on layers and layers of like sedimentary semen. Uh, so yeah, next the first time you go to a comedy condo, I expect a text or a call of like, <laughs> dude, thanks for telling me to bring a fucking pillow. I yeah. appreciate it. That was one bit of advice uh, Sam gave me. Yeah, make sure uh, when you're on the road, bring your own pillows, maybe even blankets. Maybe, uh, but you gotta be careful with blankets because sometimes, uh, like a friend of mine, Emily Galati, she got bed bugs once because uh, a comedy condo because they gross. Um, so yeah, you know we suffer for our art. Um, but yeah, that what does happen is uh, not all the time. Sometimes you just work and you have a coworker. But you know, you're you're with somebody for, you know, especially if you work uh, like a full time club where they're Wednesday through Sunday. You're with somebody for a whole week, almost every day. You're in a strange uh, city. You don't know anybody. You hang out and uh, you become closer. Some of my better friends I've ever met in comedies 
we had like one week together and we just kind of keep in touch of like you're kind of uh, not I don't want to say soldiers that's a hyperbole but you know you're kind of brothers in arms in yeah. this thing so uh, so yeah for fuck sure Thanks. I'll say hi to you next time I see your, you in the I'm city I'm to be your brother in arms yeah we're, 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 we're brothers in arms that's, that's how the that's how comedy works bro so uh, yeah tell tell my audience where uh, where they can find you and see you and what you want to promote uh, every month I produce a show in, I co-produce a show on the West Loop called BLT Comedy. West Loop of Chicago for West everybody who's not in yes. Chicago. I apologize for that. Uh, yeah, if, if you're a comic listening to this and you want to uh, you know, perform on it, if you're from out of town, uh, we'd, we'd love to have you if you send a clip and are good. Um, but yeah, but uh, it, it, it's at a bar called the Beer Bistro. It's the last Thursday of every month. Uh, we'd love to uh, have you as an audience member. It's a free show. We don't even ask for donations. Just come and watch a legitimately good comedy. And now if you want to follow me on Twitter uh, and you're not a business... Uh, <laughs> or a bot. <laughs> yeah, or a bot. Uh, T.A. Smith Forever is my handle, at T.A. Smith Forever. Can comics to get on your show just tweet at you? Uh, I, oh, yeah, 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 why not? Yeah. All right, I'll tweet you tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Any last? Uh, anything else? No, no, for you. I'll take any last words for you, Sam. Oh, thanks. Before for, we die. Yeah, th- thanks for handing over my uh, my podcast to myself. Uh, By the way, I'm holding the actual thing we're recording this on. So yeah, I'm handing it over to him. To I, yeah, t- very literally, he's going to be handing it over. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry if you guys hear a, a, a rustling in the back. That's us driving 80 miles an hour for me to get back home so I can fly out tomorrow morning. Uh, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Um, as, as always, guys, thank you for listening. This podcast doesn't do anything unless you're here. This is the reason I do it. Um, you can follow and find me at isamcomedy.com or isamcomedy Twitter, Instagram. You guys know the drill. And like always, I love you all. And remember that uh, com- go out and find your own comedy. I don't know shit. I just know how to talk it. I love you all to death. Bye. Bye. Love you. Ha, ha, ha.